Shut up and sit down. better welcome to the show guys what's up what's up what's up uh sorry a couple little audio technical difficulties there but we sorted them out um had to restart one time so i was just doing a a quick check making sure the microphone's working properly and it is so welcome back to the show this is uh the quiet part loud podcast i'm your host daryl as always and this is episode 48 um just before we jump in uh, if there's any noise in the background, because I got a construction zone by my house, they're building a massive uh, block of apartments, which is a which is a nuisance for a number of reasons. But uh, but the noise is is certainly one of them. So I apologize. I'll try to equal it out on the post audio kind of mix. Um, but if there is some there, apologies. I'll try to talk over it and uh, and and negate that hammering sound as much as possible. Um, it's funny as I get older, like this cracking noise wouldn't have bothered me two years ago, but now it's like the bane of my fucking existence. And I just want to go down there and say, hey, like, you guys shut the fuck up, please, <laughs> just for a minute. Ah, there you go. Um, but uh, they got to build, right? So anyways, it's uh, it's a little bit dusty as well in the neighborhood. So, uh, so if I'm a little hoarse, apologies. Uh, but yeah, something like that wouldn't have bothered me a couple of years ago, and now it fucking sucks. But it's, uh, I guess it's just part of aging, you know? I'm like, I got a delivery today of a whole bunch of seeds for what are going to be my autumn garden plant. I'm starting to pull some of the summer plants that have been in there, and I'm going to be replanting them with, with different, you can, you can hear them. I just got a delivery of, uh, what, 12 different types of plants that are going to be going in the soil in the next couple of weeks. So, um, there you go. There's another example of fucking how old I'm getting. Gardening is now becoming a thing that I'm obsessed with. Um, but it is what it is. I fucking love it. I absolutely love it. And my striped tomatoes, not that you guys care one way or another, but I'm going to tell you anyways, because that's what we're doing. We're having a conversation, right? So I'm going to tell you about my, I'm going to tell you about my life. I'm going to tell you what's going on. What's going on is I pulled my first striped red tomato today and uh, it looks fucking delicious. And I've got about what's looking like about 50 or 60 going to be ready to go in the next couple of weeks. So there's going to be some um, succession uh harvesting there which is going to be nice i should have a steady stream of tomatoes coming in the house but uh this sustainability this homesteading this gardening um in your backyards you know and and working towards a sustainable living is really really interesting to me and i'm doing a lot of studying on it vertical gardening uh gardening uh high impact planting um you know different seasonalities of of how you can garden and things like that and i just think well if i can get 20% of my fruit and vegetables or whatever from my own garden. That's, that's a good thing. That's inherently a good thing. And the better I get at gardening and the more tricks of the trade I learn. And as I can increase my productivity, that number goes up. And if I can, if I can sustain myself in certain aspects, obviously I'm not, I don't have the space to, you know, keep chickens or goats or anything like that. But just from a fruit and vegetable point of view, we're set up now pretty well that in the next few years, we should really start to hit a a somewhat sustainable level of production, which is going to be amazing. You know, I've been eating my kale and my spinach for 
you know, well over a month. We've been giving it away. Same with the basil. You've been using the rosemary. Um, what else? Some of the lettuce. The corn's just about ready. So things are going well. And I think if you can move a little bit towards that, you know, if you've got the time, the patience, the inclination, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. And so next year we're going to get some fruit trees out there and all that good stuff and just, yeah, just work towards sustainability. And it, you know, if nothing else, it looks fantastic and it brings life to the garden. So I'm not mad at it for a number of reasons. And it's actually become a really nice therapeutic way of just spending some time. You know, you don't have to say a lot. You just kind of muck about and, you know, do some weed and whatever. But, you know, I don't know if I could sound more like a fucking old man, but, uh, but it's something that I really enjoy. So, um, so yeah, there's an update from, uh, from Daryl's garden. Uh, some good things, some not good things. I don't ever want to fucking grow pumpkins again in my life. And I never want to grow courgettes again in my life, but Hey, the cucumbers look like they're starting to look like a forearm. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, right? Peaks and troughs, all that. Um, anyways, there is quite a bit of shit to talk about. Um, you know, we've got a really cool couple of fights coming up this weekend with the UFC. Um, obviously, the political landscape is full of gaffes and comments and instances and, and, and everything like that. Um, but I was listening to a podcast the other day from the New York Times and they were interviewing the senator. I think he was a Senate candidate or something like that or a House uh, nominee or something like that. I can't remember exactly and I forget the guy's name. So that's half the story gone. Um, but he said a quote that I really, really liked. And he said, a setback ain't nothing but a setup for a comeback. And I really love that from like a resiliency point of view, like not to get down on yourself when you get knocked back. You know, it's not, it's not a setback. It's a setup for a comeback. You just got to know how to react. I fucking love that. I think that's what I'm going to call the episode. Um, but when I heard it, it was just, yeah, it just, it just sounded right. I just really liked it in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of um, you know, it being like a metaphor for resiliency. I, I just thought it was fucking great. So a setback ain't nothing but a setup for a comeback. You just got to know how to react. That's all. So, um, what else has been going on? Tons of shit's been going on. Um, starting the UK, obviously we know that with all the Brexit chaos and everything that's been going on, there's been some recent resignations, notably, uh, what's his name? David Davis, who is leading the Brexit, uh, negotiations or organization uh, of what the deal was going to be. He resigned. So did Boris Johnson and Boris Johnson was replaced by Jeremy Hunt as the foreign secretary. And this was a man who was in charge of the NHS. And I don't have to tell you what that's been like. So now he's taken over as foreign secretary, right? Taken over from Bojo. <laughs> so he's meeting with, uh, um, he's meeting with the Chinese and he says, 
my wife's Japanese. Like, he thinks he's meeting with the Japanese. He's like, no, my wife is Chinese. Like, he remembered he's meeting with the Chinese. Like, he can't tell the two fucking difference. Can't tell them apart. Even when he's been sent to a specific location, he can't remember who he... I mean, it's a gaffe, right? It's a slip-up. It's a fuck-up. It's the thing you don't want to do at the time when you most should not do it, right? And he did it. And then he tried to like, <laughs> fucking waving at the camera, cut the fucking camera. And everybody's having like a very, very awkward chuckle. Certain lines are drawn. I don't want to make too much out of it. I just want to emphasize that this is not just a laugh it off type of thing. This shows ignorance. This shows lack of understanding about history and the conflicts that have come before. Okay, not trying to be all fucking sanctimonious here or anything like that. But if you are the foreign secretary of a major Western and global power, you have to understand who the fuck is in the room at the very, very least. You know what I'm saying? You mean with the Chinese. So then you say, oh, my wife is Japanese. Oh, no, she's not. She's Chinese. Who gives a fuck? And... Oh, we were speaking Japanese. What the fuck are you talking about? You stupid fucking idiot. I swear to God, these politicians these days are so fucking dumb. They got mouth big enough to put both feet in. And the flexibility to, at the same time to put their own fucking heads up their own asses. It's terrible. It's terrible. And like I'm saying, I'm not saying this is going to create some international incident. We're not on the verge of war because Jeremy Hunt fucking made this gaffe. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is a major politician in a major country making a social gaffe when you already look like a joke on the world scale anyways because of this Brexit bullshit, because of Boris Johnson resigning, because of all the other shit that's gone on. Just get that right, man. Fucking know who you're sitting across from. Know your history. Know why you should be more prepared than that. Anyways, I just thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. Actually, I thought it was really hilarious. But it just shows the incompetence of the political system that we elect and how it's just shifted around. Fucking health secretary, secretary to foreign minister, uh, foreign secretary. Like, come on, man. It's just like a whirlwind of shit. Get it together. Get it together. You know? But that's something you can push towards the humorous side of things because it's not going to create this international incident or, you know, it's not like Trump fucking threatening Iran and then, you know, a couple days later saying, oh, yeah, I'll meet with him whenever he wants to. You know what I mean? But it's not like, it's not that kind of shit. It's just stupid. And you don't want to be looked at as stupid. Because then you're incompetent and then nobody wants to fucking do business with you. It's just attention to detail and accountability. That's what it is. You know, subjects we've talked about on here all the fucking time before. Now, what is disturbing in this country right now is what's going on from the Jewish communi community against uh, Jeremy Corbyn. And I'm going to speak very frankly on this because I think it's horrendous, quite frankly. Um, they're accusing him 
of being anti-Semitic because he went to a pro-Palestinian rally. Okay? This is not the Jewish community at large. I wouldn't imagine, although they have not been surveyed by me or anyone around me. So I'm speculating, but I would hazard a guess that if you speak to the average Jewish person on the street and ask them if they thought that Jeremy Corbyn was an anti-Semite, they would probably say no. That's just a guess. But I'm thinking that this is coming from a conservative minority of people in the Jewish community that are in a position of power within that community and the influence that Israel ultimately has over countries like the UK and the US. That's what I think. I think these complaints or these accusations because of previous actions which I've stated are as such that Jeremy Corbyn attended a pro-Palestinian rally back in the day, whether it was yesterday or fucking five years ago or 50 years ago or whatever, I don't care. But they're condemning him as anti-Semitic because of that. And that is not right. What's worse, it's not worse. What's sad about it is that he apologized. And that's fucked up to me. And that makes me lose any faith or credibility in him that I had. You have to stand up to people like this. These are fringe personalities. And I fear that the Labour Party is becoming lost like the Democrats in America are lost. This rise of these ultra-progressive, fanatical left-wingers, these identity politic type of people is causing the left-leaning political system to go into disarray because they don't know how to react to it. So being attacked from that side is one thing. Being attacked from a conservative group that represents some of the Jewish community or tries to speak for the Jewish community I think there's a real fucking issue with this and we have to nip it in the bud and places like BBC reporting on it like it's some major criminal offense that Jeremy Corbyn has committed by going to a pro-Palestine rally is fucking garbage because the facts of the matter are with Palestine on this. The factual, actual occurrences of what we're dealing with, with the Israel-Palestine conflict is on the side of the Palestine people. Their land is being occupied. They are the ones being controlled. They are the ones being subjugated. Those are the ones, they are the ones that are being rationed to water, electricity, all of the basic needs, modes of transportation, routes of transportation. They are under occupation and under absolute control. And as Israel pushes for more power to be effectively pushed towards militarization this is only going to get worse Palestine protests and, and, and listen you want to talk about Hamas fine 
I don't recognize them as a political group, but I'm not on the ground there. And desperation can cause affiliation where otherwise it would not be tenable. Let's get that right straight away. You can't speak on this matter-of-factly unless you're on the ground, right? So I can say I don't like Hamas. They're a fucking horrible group. They spawn, they, you know, they, they fund terror, they plan terror, you know, etc., etc. And that I don't consider them a legitimate political party. But like I said, I'm not on the ground. If I was living on the ground trying to make it day-to-day in Palestine, in Gaza or the West Bank, who knows who I might side up with to give me a little bit of breathing space or to hopefully achieve a little bit of breathing space, at least achieve the hope that maybe I'll get some fucking land back instead of having it being taken away if we protest. I don't want to hear that Israel are the victim here. And I don't want to hear that criticism about Israel means you're anti-Semitic because that's just not true. You can criticize a government and their way of doing business, their way of doing whatever you want to identify here. You can criticize them. That's what they're there for. They are there to be scrutinized. Because if not, they run rampant and that is not democratic. That is some version of something else that we don't want to see because we've seen it before. And if we don't do something in terms of identifying a unification point with those of us that live in normalcy, then the trend of what we're seeing around the world of more right-leaning leaders and parties win will continue. That's not a world that many people want to live in, trust me. You think things are fucked up now. Let it keep going. Let it keep going. But I do not accept this criticism of Jeremy Corbyn being some anti-Semitic. I don't accept it. Like he's some fucking neo-Nazi. I don't accept it. You cannot put it on blast like that. Like you are victimized by this politician because he attended a rally of a group of people that you want wiped off the fucking planet. Can't have it. Can't have it. So I don't accept the Jewish community leader's um, position on this. Equally, I don't respect Jeremy Corbyn one iota because he's bowed down and apologized to this community. And if that doesn't show political influence, I don't know what does. But until we get politicians that are going to stand up to communities like this and recognize it as a position that Britain has taken for years and years and years, that Israel is an occupying force, unless that is distinctively identified by a politician in power in this country, they will not have my confidence. I can't put my confidence in you if you're not willing to stand up to this. Because the facts are not on the side of the Jewish leaders that are speaking out against Jeremy Corbyn. They're just not. Like I said, if you ask the average Jewish person on the street if they think Jeremy Corbyn is an anti-Semite, my guess is overwhelmingly they would say no. So do they have a responsibility to speak out against their Jewish community leaders? Or is that left down to us? I don't know. 
but it's a sad state of affairs that the government, like that the um, that the BBC is running this as some sort of um, you know a question about whether or not Jeremy Corbyn's effectively committed a hate crime. You know, and I just don't want to hear it because it's so off center from what's true that the BBC loses credibility. So I go back to my model of they should not be forced down your throat. They should be a subscription service. So I don't want to change uh, subject too, too much on that. But if the conservatives win again, the coverage of the Labour Party will be the same. If the Labour's win, then it will go the other way. That's how the BBC works in this country. Their world news stuff I like. But their domestic stuff, I do not. They're a half a step ahead of Sky News, basically, at this point in time. So, you are not anti-Semitic if you criticize the Israeli government and what they do with their armed forces. You're just not. And if you go to a rally that is in support of Palestine, that does not make you anti-Semitic. It just means you want equality or you want fairness to a people or you want the subjugation of that people to cease. It doesn't mean you are a Nazi. We have to draw these distinctions, right? Because if you call everybody you disagree with a Nazi, you're not going to see the Nazi coming down the road. And I'm just really disappointed that the BBC put it out there like they did. We'll see. We'll see how it all goes. I mean, give it a week and this will be gone, right? But this was here a couple of months ago and it's come back. And I'm just not, I'm not up for it because you can't raise your hand like that and say, hey, 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 I'm appointed at that guy over there because he did this thing all these years ago. You know, if it's raping a woman or a child, okay, fine, no statute. But it's like this fucking guy from the Garden of the Galaxies, right? Who's gotten sacked uh, because of tweets he made like 12, 15 years ago when he was a kid. It's like, do you know how bad things would be if I had social media? like they do now when I was that age? Jesus Christ. Oh my God, fucking butthole shots probably? Like, fuck knows. Would have been awful. Would have been an absolute shit show if people my age had fucking social media the way they have it now. I don't even know how what I got onto. I don't even know how I got onto that. Talking about butthole shots? What the fuck? Um fucking people, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, but who knows? Because, you know, fuck, chicks these days are like, ah, ha, 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 night out, shit my pants. I'm such a fucking Capricorn, you know? <laughs> people are weird, man. But they say, like, if you gave athletes social media back in the day, like Jordan would have went like how Tiger Woods went because <laughs> you're just slaying something in every city. These kids don't know how to fucking do social media. Or, or or they do, and this is what it is. You know, I mean, day by day, I'm like, 
fucking Facebook needs to be shut down. You know, if I wasn't using it for a distribution pro- platform, I'd probably just shut it down um, at this point because I just think it's so toxic, so toxic. They're like, oh, they've come out like some fucking hero. Oh, we've shut down like 13 groups that were um, that were talking about uh, uh, affecting the midterm elections in the states. It's like, oh, have you? Oh, that's good. What about the hundreds of millions of people whose data you fucking sold or just let out the back door? They're so gross, man. Facebook's such a gross product. It's so gross. I, I, I wonder when it's going to expire. I mean, they've lost a shit ton, right? I talked about it on the last episode. They lost a t- shit ton on their shares. Um, you know, but people are dumb. They'll stay there. They'll stay there. I mean, people are idiots, right? I mean, you've got this company in America who are all pissed off because their downloadable, like, PDF version of how to 3D print the fucking gun is getting blocked by a Seattle judge. Defense Distributed is the company's name, right? In case you want to hit them up on social media and let them know what you think. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, But there's a company out there a political lobby group or whatever they are called um, Defense Distributed. And they came up with this design to 3D print a firearm which would have no metal parts. (laughs) So it could go through uh, metal detectors, onto airplanes, into schools, into hospitals, into government buildings, into wherever the fuck the person with it wanted to. I don't know what the capacity of these guns are. I don't know how functional they are, but they were significant enough to whereby a Seattle judge said, I do not think so. This is gonna create irreparable damage and I'm not gonna let it go through. Thank goodness. I mean, what kind of company is uh, defense distributed? that they think that you should be able to print a gun at home. Do you understand (laughs) what would happen in America if kids and adults of any kind could just press download and print on a 3D printer, which you can get for like what, 300, 400 bucks? Maybe more. I don't know. Fucking haven't looked into it recently. But you know what I'm saying? And with that, what do you need? You need your plastic ink that's going to print the actual gun. And if you do that to say like a 9mm spec, then all you got to do is go to fucking, well, we used to be Walmart, right? But all you got to do is go to the shop, pick yourself up a case, and you're good to go. You're good to go. I haven't even looked at the price point of what that would cost, but God damn, it seems economical. That seems like some economical destruction. Defense distributed. Suck my balls. How about that? Put your face on my asshole and lick my balls from behind. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to do. Defense distributed. You fucking heathens. You fucking yokels. You want to put a gun in the hands of anybody that can print one. Fuck you. How about that? So praise to that judge for standing up for some sort of sense 
and being, you know, holding these guys accountable, saying, what the fuck are you thinking? But defense distributed, fuck you guys, man. You'll have to, you'll have to rip this rifle from my cold, dead hands. Like, fuck you guys. I'm not against guns. I'm not against guns for hunting and for target practice and all that shit, but hardcore laws. And hey, 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 no bazookas. And shouldn't be able to print them at home for sure. So none of that. I mean, how is this so fucking hard? I, I really don't get it. You know, but look who's running the place. And I heard a really interesting article. Um, I heard, heard a really interesting uh, interview um, the other day about the about the damage that Obama did to the Democratic Party by focusing so much of his political clout on getting health care passed. It was super interesting. What's up, Pinga? You all right, my love? It was super interesting because they were saying he invested so much political time and effort and clout into getting health care through. He actually couldn't protect the, his own party from the coming changes that were being enacted um, by the Republicans. It was, it was fascinating, really, really interesting. Um, and the guy talking was bang on the money, if I'm, to, if I'm being honest. You know, what he was saying was was um, was that he left the Democratic Party basically uh, without a leg to stand on because he didn't pass immigration. He didn't pass a labor bill. He didn't pass an infrastructure bill or any of that sort of thing. He focused solely on health care. That was what he wanted his legacy to be. And he burnt out all of his savings on that. And... Obviously, it goes into a lot more depth than that, but I just thought it was super interesting, uh, this guy's perspective on it, because it seems spot on the money. And look at the Democrats now. They're scrambling. They have to have a house up strategy to reclaim the government from a grassroots initiative operation. And that's so hard to do. But they're going to have to make it an every man's argument. That's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to... They're going to have to force the hand of the Republicans to veto bills that they know that the majority of the country are going to want and therefore crashing down the appearance that Trump and his administration are for the every man. Pinga? Come here, sweetie fucking dog visiting and is an absolute space case and just barks at the air fantastic um so it's really really interesting this obama piece um because you know obviously everybody wants him on a pedestal um and you know for a lot of reasons he should be on a fucking pedestal but he didn't do everything right and he didn't he didn't do a lot of stuff right but at the end of the interview the guy the interviewer asked the interviewee so what does a Democratic nominee for president, I, if you're making one, what does he look like or her look like? And the guy's response after saying how much damage Obama did to the Democratic Party, he basically said, what we need is Obama 
with the experience that Obama got while he was in office for two terms. If we had that guy, that guy'd be perfect. Unfortunately, that guy's not on the roster. So who the fuck are you going to get? And obviously they didn't have an answer for that or they wouldn't disclose an answer for that. And, uh, and the interview ended. But it was a really, really interesting piece and I've never heard that. I've never heard Obama's kind of destruction of the Democratic Party put that way before because it wasn't a, it wasn't a hit piece. And it wasn't a swipe at credibility piece, not at all. Because like I said, he finished that by saying, actually, we need one of him again. We need a him. We need an Obama again, you know. Um, so it wasn't a hit piece, but it was very, very damning in terms of, you know, how he used his time and his clout and his power and his authority um, to get done what he got done. So I just thought it was really, really interesting. Um, I wonder if, Trump is doing the same thing with the Republican Party. I just wonder that he, if he's drawing party lines that a lot of these Republicans don't agree with and maybe a lot of their constituents don't agree with, how are they going to be able to facilitate keeping their seats in the House and the Senate? How are they going to be able to, how, to be, how are they going to, or Congress, um, how are they going to be able to maintain those if they don't get the votes of the everyman? And if they're going up against Democrats that really are going after, you know, the will of the people, as it were, it seems like that actually that grassroots attempt by the Democrats actually might have some legs if they successfully execute it, which will obviously be has yet to be seen. And, and, and we'll find out in the coming months, but it will be interesting to watch. Let's put it that way. So um, I just thought it was really, uh, really, really interesting piece because. If I wonder if Trump's doing the same thing with the threats that he's making, with the meetings that he's having, with the alliances that he's breaking and the alliances that he's trying to create. I just wonder how that's going to sit with middle America because a lot of these guys, I mean, he's had to sign a deal with the EU to ease the trade tariffs that they were imposing, right? Another reason why we should not have left Brexit because we have uh, strength in numbers in terms of trade with America, right? So... He's already done that. He's already reneged on that trade war with EU, with the EU. And like I said to you on the last episode, the EU have also done a trade deal with Japan, which we're not fucking a part of, which is fantastic. So there you go. There's strike two on the Brexit uh, trade front. So um, he's had to relinquish the taxes and tariffs on trade because he sees how detrimental it is. So therefore, he signed a UK, a U, an EU trade deal. He's also had to bail out the farmers and give them 12 billion because their industry is suffering catastrophically already. So how long does, does, does this trade war continue based solely on the fact that he can't, he can't go against his own ego? Let's put it that way, right? Um, It'd be interesting to see and wonder, and I wonder as a consequence, not only that, but many, many other issues, you know, threatening foreign powers and then reneging and not, not being stern enough with other powers and then, you know, reversing and all of this good stuff that's completely inconsistent, not to mention the uh, Russia investigation, which we can get to in a minute. Um, but I wonder if this is stripping back the Republican Party the same way that it is the Democratic Party, that did the Democratic Party under Obama. Really, really interesting dynamics. And that's why I like the U.S. politics a lot better than I like the U.K. politics because the U.K. politicians are fucking losers. Wet blanket little pussies is what they are. Um, and they all need a good 
telling off, basically. That's all they need. They need a bit of fucking discipline. 2018, bang on. Tell them how you feel. Discipline. You incompetent fucks. Discipline. Make them sit there and swallow it. But I wonder if that strip back in America is the same uh, under Trump as it was under Obama. Yet to be seen, obviously, but we'll find out soon enough. Um, you know, but, you know, Trump threatening Iran and, and, and doing all these crazy things. It's just it's, it's just crazy. You know, Rudy Giuliani has come out and now said basically like, uh, just so you know, he didn't collude with Russia. But even if he did collude with Russia, that's not a crime is the latest. That's This is where we're at now, right? With a president that's currently sitting in office that's not him specifically being investigated, right? Which makes the whole collusion and the, you know, the witch hunt uh, screaming from the hilltop uh, presumed innocence. It just seems a bit weird because if you didn't fucking do anything, you'd get on with the job, shut your mouth and let it take its course. You wouldn't care how long it took. Wouldn't care how long it took. You just had to give $12 billion to the farmers. You don't care how much this costs. Right? So shut your fucking mouth. Get on with making America great again. Shut your fucking mouth and do some work. Because the shit you're doing now is junk. It's not accomplishing anything. And if you weren't so busy typing 140 or 280 characters now, maybe you get some fucking real work done. Maybe. But this investigation is not, did Donald Trump personally affect the election? It might get to that, but that's not what this investigation is about. This investigation is about Russia's involvement in the U.S. elections and how that manifested itself through the Trump administration. Not Trump himself, his administration. And listen, we're, what are we up to? 30 indictments now? This is not a fucking witch hunt. Shut up, Pinga. This is not an this is not a witch hunt. This is not fake news. This is real, real accepted information by the entire intelligence community that Russia was involved in the election. Influencing results of the election. We're not guessing here anymore. So it's really, really funny. I mean, Paul Manafort's on trial this week. He's going to get fucked. You know? And I don't mean fucked like done wrong. He's going to get fucked. I mean, literally, when he gets convicted of whatever money laundering and shit. They're, I mean, they're going to have to separate him, right? They're not going to allow him in general pop, right? He'll be somebody's boyfriend in about three and a half hours. Pudding pops, baby. Give me, give me, give me a fucking pudding pops. <laughs> then I'm going to be in your asshole. <laughs> Paul Manafort. Fucking loser. But um, that's not what the Russia investigation is about, folks. It's not about Trump. Like I said, it might lead to him. And my guess is that it's gonna, because he's so vocal about it, won't let it go. But this is about undue access, you know, which again has already been proven. Like we're not speculating here. It's just a matter of when this thing concludes. Like he's put off, Trump's put off the Russia visit now because of popular uh, uproar. 
um, until after the witch hunt is over, you know, I mean, fucking hell. Um, but it is what it is. It just seems very, very panicky to me. That's all. That's all. But what, what the fuck do I know? Right? What the fuck do I know? Um, I don't, I don't fucking even know if there's much else going on. Um, I mean, obviously there is, uh, I, you guys, I mean, it's probably old news. It's, yeah, it's definitely old news now, right? But um, this rapper got jumped, right? I claim absolute setup by him on this. That Takeshi Six Nine guy, I think he set it all up. Maybe not. Apparently, he runs with Suge Knight and shit like that. So maybe he did owe somebody some money. I don't fucking know. But um, it just seems like he needs a bit of street cred. So. What's the best way to do it? If you've not seen that episode of The Sopranos with Bokeem Woodbine, where his boy gets Bobby Bacalieri to shoot him in the ass so he can get a bit of street cred, this is not a fucking new game, right? Just saying. Anyways, fuck him. I don't care. These rappers, uh, not into them. Anyways, um, got the UFC event coming up this weekend. Um... It is UFC 227, I believe. And usually for like a UFC pay-per-view, I do uh, I do its own preview. But this card, um, I mean, maybe it'll be good in the end, but geez, man, struggling. Seems like it's struggling. The top, the top three fights, Look pretty good. You got uh, Cub Swanson on that, um, but it's really just the main two that you know I'm ultimately interested in because it can potentially set up a nice um, call out promo cut for the winner. If it's especially if it's TJ um, for potentially a super fight between him and Mighty Mouse. Of course, Mighty Mouse has to get past Cejudo first, and this is the second time these guys fought, right? Mighty Mouse, I think, stopped him with knees in the first round or something on the last fight, you know, but that was two years ago. Cejudo was a different fighter. His stand-up wasn't as good as it is now. You know, he's an Olympic wrestler. I think he's a silver medalist or a gold medalist or something like that. He's a super legit elite wrestler, um, but he couldn't do anything to Mighty Mouse in the first fight and it's like how much better has he gotten to close the gap that was already there between him and Mighty Mouse and then how much better has Mighty Mouse gotten since they fought last because the only thing I see being an issue with Mighty Mouse is you know as he gets fights under his belt as he gets a little bit older uh, does he lose half a step quarter of a step, eighth of a step. Is he just that much slower? When does that happen? You know? Um, I think I've learned that you're always in pretty good stead betting on the underdog in championship fights where you don't think the, the challenger has a chance in hell. Right? Big, I mean, Holly Holm was such a big underdog to Ronda Rousey when she had kicked her face off. 
Matt Serra was such a heavy underdog when he KO'd GSP. Um, Bisbing, short notice against Rockhold, you know? Um, it's in the fight game, when the stakes are big, I think it's always a good shout to throw some cash. If you're a betting person, always throw a bit of cash on the underdog. And I think as of as of last night, you could get three to one on Cejudo to win. And I don't necessarily think that he's going to, but you never fucking know. You never know. Now, it all goes back to the original point. How much better has Henry Cejudo got since he last fought DJ? And how much, you know, so can he close the gap that was pre that was pre-existing? Second, if he has closed that gap, how much better has Mighty Mouse gotten? And the fact of the matter is he has not closed that gap because I don't think he can close that gap. But how much closer has he come to give himself a real chance of winning, take this into later rounds potentially? Um, but then it also goes to the, to, to the main point of how much better has Mighty Mouse gotten. And the only caveat to that is when is Mother Nature, when is Mother Time going to catch up and do what nature always does? It slows us down bit by bit. I don't know. I think DJ wins again. I think he's just pound for pound. There's a reason why he's pound for pound number one. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know how Cejudo does it, uh, if he does it. But like I said, you can get three to one on an upset right now. Um, you just never know. But I got to stick with the champ. I just I just think he's got everything. He's He's like the best mixed martial artist we've ever seen. Um, in terms of complete package, skill set, being prolific and proficient at everything. Um, he, he's just, he's amazing. Now, moving on to the main event is another rematch for the Bantamweight title, right? So we had the, um, uh, was it, Flyweight uh, title. And we've got the bandweight title. And that's TJ Dillashaw and uh, Cody Garbrandt in the main event. If you didn't see the first one, TJ won by knockout. Uh, ref jumped in and stopped the fight after almost being KO'd himself in the first round. Bounced back. Hit him with a left hook. Bang! Clapped him. Got on him. Finished him. Ref stopped it. That was it. And, uh, and here we are at the rematch. Um, I believe Cody's coming back off of an injury. Um, I don't know what the state of play is for Dillashaw. I presume he's you know relatively healthy. He looks like he's in phenomenal shape as always. Um, I know he's moved. I think he, even for the last fight he was down there, but he's moved to like Southern California for a lot of his camp. Um, how much he's working with um, uh, Dwayne Ludwig, I don't know. Um, I presume he's still a really integral part. I haven't watched the Embedded yet, so I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of like who slips one through first, right? It's it's who can, who gets out of the most shots. Who gets out of the way of the most shots? Because these guys are just 
just firecrackers in terms of output, in terms of stand-up prowess and and footwork and hand speed. I mean, it's just going to be a fucking fire firefight. Um, I can't call it. I can't call it. I've tried to call it. I kind of want to. I kind of want to say that I think TJ is going to win. Um, simply because I think he's a different kind of savage. Um, I think Cody with the injury, with the family, with the new baby. I don't know. I don't know. So it's what I was saying at the beginning, right? I think if DJ wins, which I think he will, um, and if TJ wins, which I think he will, it presents the opportunity for TJ to cut that promo at the end of the fight. Call out DJ. Um try to set up that super fight. They tried to make it happen before. I don't think uh, Mighty Mouse wanted it. Uh, he wanted to stay down and, and do the most title defenses uh, at his weight class. Uh, but he's done that now. If he wins on Saturday night, he's, you know, what is it, 12 title defenses or something like that. What else is there to do? You know, um, we just keep like throwing him rematches and shit that he's already like, you know, who he already whooped the first time. There's got to be something else, I think, for Mighty Mouse, and especially if he wants to cash that big check before he passes um, on to whatever he's going to do after fighting. Something with video games, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I just think it presents a really interesting opportunity for TJ to call out Mighty Mouse um, in public, in front of everybody, and you know maybe we get to uh, address it in the post-fight. But that's all things considered, all things going the way that they need to. Um, there's a lot of variability in there. And, you know, like I said, on the main event, I just I can't really call it. But I think with some of those factors involved, it's probably going to be TJ's night again. Um, and I think I think Mighty Mouse gets it done. Uh, Cub Swanson's fighting uh, behind those guys. I don't I don't really know. You know, I don't know what kind of camp Cubs had. I don't know what kind of you know, physical shape he's in. Um, he's fighting Renato Masano, um, who's 12-1-1. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, again, the rest of the card, I couldn't give a fuck about, to be honest with you. You know, they got Betch Coher on the fucking undercard. Um, I mean, geez, nothing really. Uh, but hopefully mixed in with these two really, really good matchups, we get some nice fights in there. Um, and, and it's a good card. So we'll see what happens. But... That's it for the uh, that's it for the fight card. Um, those those top two fights should be really good. Um, what the rest of the fights will hold, your guess is as good as mine. Um, so I think that's it, man. Um, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna peace out. I think we're gonna shut things down um, and, uh, and 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 enjoy some of this evening sunshine that we've got uh, creeping back in. Apparently, London's hitting straight on the doorstep of another heat wave. So bring it on. Um, Again, if it gets up in the 30s and whatnot, like some of them are saying, just be careful out there. <clears throat> I'm playing a little staycation. Oh, oh, staycation. Fuck me. Sorry. Um, I'm planning a vacation uh, in the UK just a few days away. Um, the, you know, people call it staycation. I can't believe I just said that. Um, I hate those words like, uh, like chillaxing. <laughs> It's like, hey, don't don't make up words. <laughs> don't make up words. It's not mahusif, right? It's not. I don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> like, come on, mahusif, chillaxin, staycation, eat a dick. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I'm planning a little something. Uh, it's my wife and I's uh, second wedding anniversary coming up. Uh, so we're going away for a little bit on that. And then we're planning on going uh, to Italy a little later on in the year when we both have the time. But yeah, looking for some places now that, you know, are dog friendly because we want to take our pups along with us um, and get away for a few days. So I think that's going to be either, I think that's going to be two weeks from now. So there may be a reshuffle of the schedule or no episode that week. I don't know yet. Um, but for now, we're done. Um Again, like I said up front, get us on iTunes, get us on SoundCloud, get us on uh, TuneIn, and now get us on Stitcher as well. If you haven't already, jump on the Facebook uh, page that we've got. Give us a like there if you're on that platform. If not, hit us on Twitter. Um, search Quiet Part Loud for all those things and you'll find them. Uh, other than that, yeah, we're out, guys. It's been good. Um, feel good about the episode yeah really good um let's leave it there i'll see you next week have a good weekend um I, there's no way i'm going to be able to get another episode out this week uh so that'll be it uh enjoy the sunshine be careful uh moderation 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 right just uh cover up sunscreen on uh yeah be careful but have a good time enjoy your weekend we'll be back next week uh this is the quiet part loud i'm your host as always daryl Thanks for listening to episode 48. And until next time, guys, all the best.